Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to the Home Business Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. Happy New Year, Rohan. Happy New Year. How are you, mate? How was the Christmas break? Oh, I can't complain. It's been, uh, I don't know, just pretty family-filled and just kind of busy, you know? <laughs> nice. All that nice. usual stuff, but yeah, how about you? Exactly the same. Busy, moving around everywhere, family stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, home assistant doesn't stop working by the looks of it. Still got a, another release, so first release of the year. That's right. Here we go. So as usual, this episode of the Home Assistant Podcast is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Um, so yeah, Rohan, 2024 is here. We had, uh, Frank on our, our last episode for the 2023 or 12 release, um, mm -hmm. which was a great episode. And, uh, you know, we had yeah. Frank's talking about his 2024 wishlist items. It actually had some cool, uh, responses on YouTube as well. Um, some of those things, which I thought we could have a little discussion about too. So, um, first one we had was Tracy. Um, wrote, I would like to see the UI to be organic and fluid and pleasing to build for in, in, ex, in excess or dashboards. Um, artificial intelligence is okay, but to do large homes requires a major expense and the UI we already have in place. Um, mm -hmm. That's what other home automation platforms such as mm -hmm. Samsung did, 
but they were cloud-based and uh, that's what was the curse to their platforms. So I guess Tracy here is sort of mentioning that we could use AI to build out dashboards and, and make them look nice. Um, I don't know about you, what your thoughts are here, Rohan. What are, what's your gut feeling here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily see it being AI-based for that kind of thing, but I think it would be pretty cool. Like, I, I, I do actually don't mind the dashboards as is i actually saw a couple of really slick ones the other the other day on uh, that are just posted people posted in facebook yep um, but uh, yeah i don't know i i don't think it's ineffective um as in its current state could it be more organic and fluid and sure i think i think there's always that room for improvement right uh I think right. it comes down to like AI can sort of you think of those like mid-journey images, right? Like how many, how big prompts have to be to create like a nice right. realistic image, right? Um, and sure, like we can get some way there with, you know, an automated nice looking dashboard. But I think because, you know, everyone has such unique tastes, Whatever we create um, or whatever a system could generate for us, I don't think will ever be perfect. And I think, and that's also a business problem from being able to do so much customizations as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, people want to tweak stuff. So I don't know, uh, yeah, if we could ever have a home automation system where you just fire in all your entities and the system tells you this is the dashboard or generates you a nice enough looking dashboard that, yeah. you know, everyone would be wowed at. I think there would always be a tweak to be made or something just wouldn't look perfect. Well, I think it's also everybody has their own preferences, right? Like they're like, mm. I might love something which might, you might just hate. Right. Yep. So. Uh, now give me the ability part. to say, you know, type into assist, create me a dashboard with a two column layout with, you know, my alarm control panel at the top and person entities mm. write it that way. That would be cool. That would save a lot of YAML time. Right. Um, sure. but yeah, who knows? Maybe that'll be on the cards in the future. Right. Like this stuff's advancing pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Um, all right. Uh, Brian says update Node Red to the three release. Do you still use Node Red? Like I do, I do. I honestly couldn't tell you what my Node Red version is, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> definitely Sorry, not something I've looked at. It's, it's yeah. Sure, uh, I'm surprised that like if there is oh, a. It is. it is three or it is. It's three dot one dot three apparently. Okay, so maybe it is supported. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, But, yeah, interesting that maybe this is not support for... It's, yeah. I It's, uh, I don't know, I guess it's because I just do it all in, it's all in one Docker Compose file, right? So I just pull yeah. it and then recreate my containers, and which is like one command. And I, so I... I just know anytime I update it, the whole stack gets updated. So I don't, I don't bother with what version is it, blah, 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 whatever. It's right? just so. always, yeah, it's there, yeah. it's ready to go. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric wrote in and said that I think it would be awesome if we had something in Home Assistant similar to GPT so we can ask it to create an automation using the entities and devices that we have within given parameters and we do not have to figure out the most efficient way to code the automation. Say yeah. what you want and then tweak it to get the exact automation that you want or even modify it on the fly if there is a situation that you did not think about. Um, so this is cool. And I guess this is just alluding to what I was just saying with the dashboards, right? Very, very mm-hmm. similar. Um, I actually have been using uh, GitHub Copilot to do, uh, I did try yep. and get it to do like some home assistant uh, automations because, you know, home assistant open source projects. So yep. Copilot yep. would have access to, you know, how that all works. It was a bit hit and miss. There was some, you know, tried to um, call some services that don't exist or, you know, deprecated services. Interesting. Um, okay. I had, I've also got like a Copilot in Visual Studio Code will prompt you if you know entities. Um, Even though I've got the Home Assistant extension installed, it was still um, trying to, it was guessing what some of my entity names would be. Um, Right. You know, like, which were close. They looked, I was like, oh yeah, it could be that. So, you know, I'll just accept it. But no, it turns out that entity just didn't exist. Um, Yeah. So yeah, certainly I think it's not far away. And maybe if, um, Eric, if you haven't got, GitHub Copilot, maybe um, sign up for a free trial and and try it out. Just I think they've just released the uh, chat feature where you can uh, it's out of beta now. You can actually chat to Copilot like you would chat GPT and actually uh, ask it to create your YAML automation package or YAML automation and see what it comes up with. Yeah, I think I think the other thing is again, Phil, to your point, like it's not AI is there, but it's not there yet. If that makes mm. sense, like it's there's there's still there's still a lot of room for errors in AI uh, in, yep. in GPT style large yep. language models, right? Like, um, but yeah, I mean, I think is it cool and and you know have I used it for stuff? Absolutely, right? Like it, it's not, but yeah, there's still that like you got to you got to take it with a grain of salt kind of thing, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Like, so I was, um, so just over the Christmas break, uh, mm-hmm. I got sick and I needed to take, um, some tablets, you know, three times a day. Right. And I was traveling. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm going to forget to do this. Right. Time zones are going to be throwing me out of whack. So I actually went onto Copilot and I said, uh, I need a home assistant package that will have an input number that increments, you know, tracks, you know, how many tablets I've taken today. It will send me a message, um, to my telegram mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's time to take your tablet. Um, and it will reset at 11 p.m. every day. Um, cool. Copilot, to its credit, it did it. It gave me the whole package file. Amazing. Um, it gave me the automations. It named them. Um, I then just had to go in and, and tweak it a little bit. Um, so I had to go in, put in the right, you know, um, notification service to send it to my Telegram. I then wanted to add things like um, uh, when I... Uh, when a message comes through to my Telegram, I can have a keyboard come up and I can just, you know, mark it as taken. That would then send a webhook back to Home Assistant and then increment the counter that way. So I did that manually. Um, yeah. Everything worked fine. There was a couple of um, errors with it. I think, as I said before, Copilot used uh, a deprecated uh, value to say, I think it was using input select um, set value or something. And it, it gave me the code. The code was valid YAML, um, but the way it was yeah. calling that service uh, wasn't working. As soon as I pushed it into Home Assistant, the automation was merely errored out and said, no, this is an invalid automation. Um, 
So interesting. We're very close. Um, yeah. Even with yeah. Copilot, yeah. right? But I was really amazed. It saved me like, you know, like 90% of the time having to set up the structure of the package. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, right. it's still, it is still pretty cool what it can do, right? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, it's just, again, it's not perfect. It's not 100% every time is, is the point. Um, Tony on YouTube was saying, um, as a person building out an HA system, my big wish for 2024 would be improvements in documentation. There are lots of parts in the core product, especially services, that could use uh, worked examples on the online docs. One example of a service that's underdocumented is MediaPlayer.PlayMedia, which which sends the media to an entity, I example to play audio on a smart speaker. The deficiency here has led to a lot of threads uh, of people asking, well, how do I make a content ID and stuff like mm. that? Ideally, for specifying local files or directories, you should be able to bring up something like the open dialogue in a regular OS uh, when setting up the automation that plays the media. But equivalence for common remote methods like SMB shares and stuff need explaining. So maybe like collapsible sections so that you don't disturb the flow of the page. Um, yeah, it's not a bad, uh, I think, I think it's also one of those things where there's like a lot of core services and stuff like that, that again, just hasn't gotten love in a while. So it just, they don't necessarily update the mm. corresponding documentation page. I don't know about when the last time media player, I think last year we did talk about some improvements or they changed the media player play media specifically, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, last year, I think, year before maybe I don't know. I can't keep track anymore. But this is like, like yeah, like one of the core things. Right, you want to be able to play music from Home Assistant. Yeah, um, and getting the right service call. Like depending on, you know, are you using Sonos? Are you using Chromecast? You know, Spotify. Like they're all got their little tweaks, right? I think a lot of mm-hmm. them now are starting to be standardized. Um, a lot of media. Uh, components that you can just send a Spotify URL to if you're using Spotify and it will know, yeah. okay, this is a Spotify URL, I need to send it to Sonos in this way. Um, but in terms of the UI side of things, um, this is what the media player, uh, the media library uh, area in Home Assistant is trying to tackle. The idea yeah. being that, you know, you've got, uh, I think there's a radio stations custom component or component that you can activate in Home Assistant, which will then add radio stations to Home Assistant in there. If you've mm-hmm. got uh, any um, local iTunes servers or um, Plex media servers or anything like that integrated into Home Assistant, that can also show in this media library area. Also local files as well. So if you've uploaded, you know, in custom uh, text-to-speech yep. or anything like that that's in the Home Assistant directory. That should also appear as a local file that can be played to. You can then use the Home Assistant UI to select the file, select the media player that's linked in Home Assistant and, and push it through there. Maybe what's missing um, is a way for users to extract the service call that Home Assistant is calculating underneath to then create yeah. that as an automation, right? So I could go in to the UI, select, you know, play this radio station on this speaker. How do I then make that into an automation maybe that's something that we would need to see yeah yeah and and i think uh if i'm not mistaken pretty much anybody can go in and update the docs i think you just need to do a pr and then 
it's updated so, that way. Yeah. This has always been a problem with open source, right? Especially when it's developer focused, mm-hmm. you know, documentations generally last, right? Let's just build the feature and, and move on and document it later. Yeah. Um, They're pretty good at documenting it as they build it and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. I will say that it's just, again, I think it's that going back and yeah. deep it's not. All right. So 2024, Dot one uh, is here. Uh, I think it's a, sort of a, a, a mini, you know, people were on, you know, December wind down. Not a huge release, but still some pretty good goodies in here. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the biggest change we're going to see uh, moving forward now is a new onboarding flow for automations. So uh, if you are using Home Assistant or you've, uh, for the first time or you've just installed a fresh copy of Home Assistant and you go into the automation screen previously, which would just be presented with, you know, a list of, no automations. So it would just be like there are no automations here. Zero, like zero automations. Starting yeah. with Home Assistant uh, 2024.1, uh, it's now going to give you sort of a an onboarding guide. So they've got the, an automation robot will explain what automations are in Home Assistant and also point you to the documentation. So it will tell you, hey, this is what an automation is. You know, it will allow you to trigger things based on time. You know, when an action occurs. And then it'll point you to the documentation and say, want to read more? Go here. So this is great for new users just starting out and seeing, wanting to get to know the terminology, what does this mean, and all that sort of stuff too. Yeah, and uh, that there's a, there's also a downside in this, right? So which is, you know, the second part of what, what we're going to talk about, which is some of the tweaks that happen in the automation editor. So the editors range into like a kind of when and then if, then do kind of areas, right? So when this happens and if x happens then do this um so it makes it a lot easier to how to make an automation which i completely agree with um and then when you click on and like you add a new trigger it'll bring up a dialogue and you can choose what kind of automation it is uh and then there's nice descriptions to explain what you're actually adding so before when you went to go add something it would be like um uh, what's an example like oh uh, well we were talking about media player just now so media mm-hmm. player dot play media right and the description would be media player dot play media which really tells you nothing um whereas here it'll be like oh you know this is this service will play songs from whatever whatever, whatever that looks like right so so it gives a little nicer descriptions and stuff like that um, and then conditions and actions have a new button when they're called add a building block um, and this is typically blocks of logical elements. So ands, ors, ifs, um, chooses, um, those kind of those kind of functions. Um, and then the, before they used to be mixed in with conditions and stuff like that, but now they have their own little button, which just makes it easier to find it. Because again, when you're looking for that kind of thing, you start there, add that again, building block as the name suggests, right? So it's a core mm. element of it. And then, and then you do that, and then it kind of declutters that list of conditions and actions. Now, I said there's a bit of a downside uh, a little earlier, and that downside is um, that also means that if you're following uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that on that that a lot of our creators, the curator community has made, that also means that you know there's going to be some. It's going to look this way in their videos uh, for. A little bit until until they get the chance to update it, um, if they have the ability to update it, like if they have the if they're able to do it. Um, so you're going to have to do a bit of a diff kind of, um, OK, this looks like this in the old UI. This is how it's going to look in the new UI, right? So 
not the biggest deal there, but it is it is something to keep in mind. So when you update it, yours might look a little different if you're trying to follow a guide on YouTube uh, from so from from another creator that's that's built this. I will say I do really like the new flow of the automation UI. Like I don't I use yeah. I do most of my automations in YAML, but you know sometimes if I want to quickly create an automation and get it live, you know I might do it on my phone. In the um, mm-hmm. automation editor, um, and the just before, like so, for a lot of Z-Wave devices, um, and I would go in previously, and you would go in, select a Z-Wave device, right? Like, let's choose my bedroom downlights, and for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, uh, but there is just so many Z-Wave specific services attached to any device, right? So it's set value of node zero on this device, set value yeah. of node one on this device, right? complete rubbish right i would have to scroll yeah. through a list and then go to find this uh service call which is turn the light off right which is what i wanted yeah 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 now the flow is you know select the device bedroom down lights and now it goes okay this is a light entity i'm going to suggest to you turn off a light yeah. turn on a light toggle the light change its brightness they are you know all i need to do with that device i don't need to know about you know setting if I do want to set, you know, a node property value or something like that, I can do that too. I just, I'm not really going to do that 99% totally. of the time, right? Um, totally. So this whole new flow of, you know, select the device you want to do. Now I'll give you the most common options at the top. And you, there's also um, device specific uh, things here is so much nicer that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it is, it is, it, it's still filterable. It's still like you can still type and complete yep. and like that kind of thing, right? So it's it's uh, that part's nice. All right, um, not a huge one to really say much about, but descriptions uh, and due dates are now available for to do list items. Uh, I think we touched on it in our last mm-hmm. uh, discussion with Frank, but they're there. They're available now. So yeah, to do items uh, can have descriptions and due dates. And the fun thing with descriptions um, that that uh, I don't think they actually talk about in the release notes uh, is uh, you can actually add markdown to them. Ooh, so nice. Yeah, you can have and and uh, on the creator call they were playing around with. Uh, it's uh, they're doing like oh I wonder if we can have headers in here and then did like pound sign and then and then yep. put a header in and yep you can right and I think there's a, there's a limitation of three lines I think that it displays. Uh, before you have to click in mm-hmm. and then when you when you click into it and open the dialog box that that'll give you the raw form not the not the not the formatted not the markdown uh, yeah. method yeah yeah um still pretty neat yeah that's very neat um there's a new entity type um of a valve um and so if you have valves for like water gas um, air air valves like pneumatics anything like that uh, there's a new entity type you can use for that. So um, when it's created by an inter- integration, uh, there's a few services that can respond. So valve.open, valve.close, or tap, toggle, which is obviously, if it's open, it'll close it. If it's closed, it's, it'll open it. Uh, and then if there is a valve that allows a specific position, then you can actually um, pick that too. Uh, so that can be controlled as well. Uh, using valve dot set position or valve dot stop. So, yeah. I wonder if the um, 
if the like climate devices, you know, I think there's heat valves or, um, you know, like some radiators that have valves on them. I wonder if people will slowly start, yeah. you know, updating those um, if they have, if they support for it. Be cool. Yeah. I think, I don't think there's a ton of entities today that use it just again, just it literally came it's out today. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, people need to update their entities for it, stuff like that. So you might still see it as switches or covers, whatever that is. Right? Yeah. All right. The thermostat and humidifier cards can now uh, swap the current or target temperature or humidity um, being displayed uh, on their respective cards. So um, this is just in the standard home assistant card. Um, so you can choose if you want the primary information to be the temperature or if you want it to be the target temperature or humidity or current humidity. Um, yeah, there's a little toggle in that UI now. That's it. Just a little swap. But apparently it's, uh, it was a popular request. So, Yeah. Um, and then another one was another one of those popular requests was uh, the fan modes being on cards. So um, when you're if on like thermostat and, and climate cards, uh, it adds the buttons to the cards to set the fan mode of the device directly on that card. So. And if you're using update entities in Home Assistant to track firmware, there's now uh, a card that you can add. Uh, to home assistant i think it's a part of this core entity card and you can now add actions to those update entities where supported so that you can then click a button on the card and have home assistant update the uh, firmware on the device and it will also show you uh, what the status is of that device so if you're using like an esp device and it says hey there's a new firmware for this uh, device you can click update home assistant will show you okay i'm updating the firmware on this device and when it's done it'll give you feedback all right there on the home system dashboard. So no uh, excuse that it's too hard to update firmware now on devices. That's right. Sleep IQ foot warmers um, apparently exists. Well, so Sleep IQ exists, like the integration exists. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have foot, now, foot warmers. I know. It's, it's, I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, like, maybe this isn't, maybe this is like a Northern Hemisphere thing, but like, Foot warmer, like what is like? I don't know. It just feels like a very first world thing, right? Like here we have uh, a I smart mean, home automation device. as a whole is like a very first world. True, problem. true. Maybe it's... I'm on the wrong podcast for that um, discussion. Yeah. But you know, here we've got uh, yeah, a Sleep IQ mattress that can now you can control your foot warmer in Home Assistant. Like this is, I don't know. I I'm usually the guy that's like, yes, I need that device right now. But uh. This is the one where I go, ooh, maybe this is too far. Maybe this is where I tap out the foot warmers too much. You know, it's kind of handy, I guess. It's still 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 warmth and comfort related, right? So I'll I'll take it. Um I mean, I I'm not gonna lie, I did look at the price of this and the mattress topper alone. Uh so they've got like smart mattresses or a smart bed, yep. and then you can just buy a topper to go on your existing mattress. The topper alone, just for half a queen size, was like nine hundred US dollars. Um, yeah, that, I don't that, uh, don't know if that supports you know the sleep this sleep IQ integration. I don't know if it supports a foot warmer or if that's a add on. Um, yeah, incidentally, when you type in uh, sleep IQ foot warmer into Brave Search, the third thing I got was sleep number recalls foot warmers sold with sleep number three six beds from twenty seventeen. So hopefully it's fixed, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Not not uh, not not the best first impression there, but 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's a cloud uh, polling device too, yeah. so it requires a cloud. So I'm not going to spend nine hundred dollars on a foot warmer that could be killed by the cloud at any moment. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. But someone clearly has, and they're going to get nice. You know, they'll be able to uh, set the temperature of how hot they want their feet in winter, and for how long they want to be have their feet warmed. All nice, nice, toasty feet. Yeah, that's, it. that's right. And I guess I'll do the last one too. Uh, France gets uh, support for picnic groceries. Let's be Enjoying yep, things, still expanding. I'm very jealous. <laughs> I know, right? All right. Uh, new integrations landing in this release. So AO Smith and OSO Energy, you can now integrate their energy water heaters with Home Assistant. Um, blue current. So if you have blue current EV chargers, you can now monitor those. Drop or DROP, it seems to be all capitalized. Uh, so you can manage your smart water system with Home Assistant. So it includes supports for leak detectors, changing the hardware of, sorry, changing the hardness of your water with integral water shutoff, triggering a water protection valve and salt sensors as well. Um, now, this integration is interesting because it uses MQTT, so that means it's all locally controlled, don't need the cloud, you just need to configure uh, the system to connect to your local MQTT broker, and then the device Yeah, I was actually, when, when when we were going through this on the creator call, I was actually like Googling it as as they were they were saying, and I was like, okay, let me check it, whatever. Yep. Um, and I guess they make like, um, like water uh, softeners and stuff like that, right? Which I was like, okay, yep. that's kind of cool, but then... I was like, oh, that's neat. If they're telling us like they're exposing salt sensors and stuff like that, because mm. I, I like growing up in our in our like the house that like I grew up in, uh, we had we had a water softener, and I remember having to just lift and drag and pour in like twenty kilo bags of salt all the time into the into the softener, right? But it's like yeah. it's, we'd also just buy it. We'd be at Costco, and we'd be like, oh, do we need it? We don't. No, like let's just, okay, let's just buy like two bags, right? Like just in case, and leave it in the basement and that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, well, did we need it? Oh, we actually it was actually full already. Like, but whatever. So it's nice yeah. that you can kind of see see that. Um, I'm glad that I don't have to do that now, and we don't have a water softener. I do, I do, I do like a water softener, but it's not something I want to do. But that's, yep. that's still pretty cool. Um, holiday. So you can add holiday calendars to home assistant for powering automation. So for example, on like public holidays, Hey, don't open the blinds or don't open it at a certain time. Maybe right? your usual times, just sleep in a little bit, that kind of thing. So interesting here. I actually have a feeling because home assistant has had the workday sensor for quite some time. And the workday sensor, you set your region and it would know based on your region, if it's a public holiday or not on that day. Yeah. Um, so I assume that it's using the same sort of library here and now you can just expose the same data as a calendar entity yeah. instead of a, instead of the workday sensor. Um, so it's going to be regionalized by country and if, and where possible, it'll be, uh, regionalized down to a state level or a pro- provincial level yep. uh, as well. Um, it's just whatever that integration brings into it uh, or whatever that, that, I guess, Python extension or whatever it is they're using that, that allows it to do, um, It'll it'll give you some level of specificity there. Frank's been a little bit busy. Uh, he's now added support for Tailwind, which allows you to operate mm. your garage door openers connected to a Tailwind smart garage door controller. So there you go. That's now available. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with that, that's uh, another thing that's come out of this whole MyQ um, mm. 
crap is let's call it um which there was rat gdo um, yep which is rage against a garage door opener uh which is a project <laughs> uh i still love that name um and uh which is kind of a project that you can go in and and purchase a board and download esp home firmware and push it onto that board and uh, operate your chamberlain or I forgot the other brand but whatever they're my q based uh, garage doors yep. and then uh tailwind is basically a commercial offering of something similar so nice um Tessie, so you can integrate, monitor, and control your Tesla vehicle connected to the Tessie platform. Um, now, Rohan, you have a, a Tesla. How, can you explain to me what Tessie is or what? Because I think there is already an, a Tesla integration with Home Assistant or an unofficial one. Yeah. Or something. So there's, there's, yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? So there is. So there's multiple ways of getting information to it. So Tessie is a platform that is um it's more meant for like fleet management and stuff like that right so um if it is a paid platform i looked it up i hadn't actually heard of it until i looked it up a few days ago um but yeah it's a paid platform but it basically gives you their api and they i guess somehow go back and scrape tesla whatever they do i don't know what they do but yeah right so this could be like, managed no. that way so this could be an official way to get data from your for your Tesla car that's not going to potentially break if you know those custom components, right? Stop right. working. I, I don't know. I don't know how official official it is, but yeah, okay. it's it's uh, it's officialish, right? It's it's yeah. they are managing and supporting and so on and so forth that API. Nice. Uh, yeah, and then and then again, there's Tesla Main. There's a couple other ways to get it in there too. So. Yeah, cool. All right. Vogel's motion mount. You can now control the position mm -hmm. of your Vogel's motion mount TV mount. It provides information about the current position of the mount and it allows setting a new position. Yeah. Why would you stand up to move the tilter TV when it can tilt for you? It's basically so I don't even know if it's tilting, to be honest. Maybe it is, but I looked at their demo video and... Yeah, essentially, it's like uh, it pushes the TV forward from the wall or back. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's I think it was about four thousand euro. Um, just for <laughs> yeah, yeah, four thousand euro um, wow. for the mount itself. So it's probably the mounts probably cost more than the TV. Um, and on their website, they say it works great for uh. Control four systems. Um, I think there was another one, um, Lutron or Cassetta or something like that. But now Home Assistant has it, so it's not just the big name, uh, home, like home automation brands that can control this uh, mount. But yeah, if you uh, need to have your TV come a you know couple of meters closer to you, um, then now it can do it automatically. Yeah, I guess for like yeah, what did you I'm, say I mean, four thousand, four thousand euros. Yeah, and I guess if you you know got a TV that you know maybe the room configuration is it needs to be on a corner, it spins out from. Um, I'm looking at one here, and it's like eight hundred euros, which is not bad. No, sorry, it's still it's still pretty bad, but it's 
better, better than 4,000. 4, yeah. But is yeah. it kind of integrate with Home Assistant? That's the question. It says there's an app, so I assume you, yes. Look, there's an app, and it must be Wi-Fi based or something of some kind, yeah. or Bluetooth based or... I don't know. I'm investing way too much time into a thing I'm not going to buy. Um, <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about some breaking changes. Um, Real Link. So um, the Real Link infrared lights in night mode entity has been migrated from uh, the light domain to the switch domain. So that means that the entity IDs have changed and automations and dashboards will need to get updated to use that in, uh, that new entity ID. Uh, if you want to go back to the light domain, use the switch as X show as option on the infrared lights in night mode switch entity and select light. Uh, how's that? Uh, I, I, I just, I just, I just love that the entity is called infrared lights in night mode. Yes. Uh, not yeah. just IR lights or night mode or something like that. It's just the most specific name. Um, I guess it's very, yeah, yeah. It, you can't get confused with what it does, right? So yeah. hey. if you want infrared lights in night mode, you switch that switch on, essentially. That's right. That's right. Not light anymore. It's now a switch. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, for Shelly devices, the minimum supported firmware version for Generation 1 devices has now increased to 1.11.0, uh, which was released in uh, 2021, uh, July 15th. And the minimum supported version for Generation 2 devices is 1.0, which was released uh, on August the 3rd of 2023. You must update your devices to the firmware's, firmware versions listed above or newer um, to have compatibility with Home Assistant moving forward. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I don't know, like... As long as Shelly keeps updating the firmware, like Shelly is a pretty decent brand. Um, I do, yeah, worry about, you know, Homerson saying, oh, you've got to use this firmware version moving forward. Like I get, you know, breaking changes and stuff. But yeah. The critical devices like light switches and stuff, it's... Yeah, yeah I, I get that. I think, yeah. I don't know. It's it's As long as it's not an always thing, it's fine. Yeah. And hopefully you can do the update via Home Assistant, um, right? As opposed to having to go around and flash your light bulb, light switches, or um, whatever yeah. controllers you've got around the place. Right? As long as it can all do it from Wi-Fi, then agreed. That would be agreed. I don't, I don't actually have any Shelly devices. Do you? No, I've always been. I don't know, like, because in Australia, right, we have such high um, electricity requirement, like. You can't just put anything yeah. in the wall, right? It's got to get certified. Um, and I know, like, right. when Shelly first came out, it was sort of iffy, like, have they got compliance? Are they just rebadged uh, Chinese knockoffs? You know, are we going to burn our right. houses down if we put these in the wall? Um, I think they're now, like, certified. I know there's proper bricks and mortars, smart home yep. stores now that are selling them in Australia. So I think they've cool. got the official CTIC uh, devices, uh, CTIC approval now. Yeah. Um, for me, it was the sticking point was if they're Wi-Fi, and I just right. I try to avoid Wi-Fi devices for my automations. Just decrease yeah. my attack vectors as much as possible on the Wi-Fi network. And mm, yeah. fair enough. 
I've, I've just, I've gone through that a million times on this podcast and don't want to bore people with that too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's all good. Um, yeah. You know, What's, I just realized we haven't changed our Breaking Changes, Breaking Changes name. Remember that? I'm not changing it. I'm it's sorry, a, Frank. I'm not, I know Frank's changed it to backward no incompatible compatible. No, it's a breaking, <laughs> no, it can be Breaking Changes. That's so funny. But it'll be breaking news. Although nothing in this release sort of uh, has been given the the six month uh, update warning, so that's good. That's right. That's right. All right. Technically, the Shelly is backward incompatible, though. It will be. uh, That's interesting. Actually, I wonder if the it hasn't been mentioned in the release notes, but it would be interesting to see if there is a six month grace period on this, or if you just upgrade to twenty twenty four dot one now. Do have those devices stop working? Um, yeah, but even for the like, just looking at the like for Gen One especially, like yep. that firmware release is from twenty twenty one, right? So yes, it's probably a good thing you update it at some point. I mean, I don't know if they've had any security patches that they updated or anything like that. I haven't looked at release notes or anything for Shelly, but yep, if there is, it's probably should update it anyways. So. Did you, Ryan, did you see um, last month there was the new feature that got added in, which was the ability to have uh, nice pictures on your login screen? Did you see HomeSense had to revert that? Um, some people raised. I did see that. A Yeah, a security uh, concern. Um, I would have liked Home Assistant to uh, change that to like a toggle option, you know, make, maybe turn it off, but still enable it, mm. you know, if people want to have it. Uh, on, um, I also yeah, saw yeah. uh, HomeAssistant uh, has added uh, an update for their iOS apps as well. Um, so WatchOS, um, there's um, a new companion app for iOS. So WatchOS has also got updated. Um, but as part of yeah. that, they're also dropping support uh, this year, I believe, uh, for um, uh, some versions of iOS as well. Um, I think it was iOS 12, 13, and 14 potentially. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so as of uh, 2024.1 of the companion app, um, they will stop supporting those versions of iOS. Um, Even 14, eh? That's not like that old. Yeah. Um, so HomeAssistant says that less than 1% of users, according to App Store Analytics, um which is people that have given permission to share uh, permission with Nebuchadnezzar about, you know, their uh, what version they're running, um, use those versions of uh, iOS. Um, yeah. And, of course, um, supporting them makes the code base hard to maintain and uh, blocks, you know, new features and uh, yeah. being rolled out to the app. So there you go. Um so, but there was a caveat that uh, this does not mean that your iOS 12, 13, or 14 devices have become unusable. Um, you can still access your home assistant using the browser if you have a device that can't update past iOS 12, such as a yeah. 2014 iPhone 6 or iPad mini 3. All other devices currently capable of running iOS 13 or 14 can be updated to iOS 15 or higher and use the new versions of the iOS companion app. So, yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, this is, I know a lot of people use iPads as their 
tablets mm-hmm. uh, on the wall. And yeah. the good thing, like the selling point of the companion app is that it can uh, expose other devices, entities, right? You know, you can access, potentially access the camera yes. as an entity. Yeah. Um, you can access, you know, GPS location. Um, is it the screen Can you do the away. camera on iOS though? I haven't, I haven't tried it. Uh, I know you can do it with fully kiosk as a browser mode or as part of um, right. fully kiosk um, core, but I don't potentially with iOS, maybe. I mean, it, if it's a yeah. core app, it might be able to do it. Um, as long as you grant it permission. Um, but yeah, like there's whole other like sensors that you could get access to. Um, yeah. Which yeah. Be sad, which you can't access from the browser. Right? So that would be sad to lose. Um, so yeah, I guess now it comes down to a point of, you know, how often do you need to replace your iPad on the wall as your home control? Yeah. And, um, and, and look, I get it from, I get it from a development side too, right? It's like, a lot of times you can't take advantage of newer features because it's you've got older ones holding you back kind of thing. So yeah. I, I get both sides of it. Yeah, I guess as long as the app could be, yeah, usable, right? It would be nice to see like an old version of the companion app still compatible with like a legacy version of the API. Like I don't want, yeah, I, it would suck to be in a yeah. position where you get stuck not being able to update Home Assistant because your tablet's not going to be able to work. Sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, there's no real easy answer to that. And I think as a home automation ecosystem in general, like that's something we also have to solve, right? Like how do we yep. reuse as much technology as we can that's already been created, right? Like how many devices as smart home enthusiasts we have like in the drawer somewhere not being rolled out? Like I don't know about you, Rohan, but I've got a whole bunch of gadgets that I bought on sale or AliExpress, Black Friday deals or whatever. That Sure. I just haven't pushed out yet, All right? So, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've done zero home automation shopping, which makes me really sad. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> gotta save dollars for other things, right? It's uh, that's it. It's a cost of living crisis, man. Like it's, I know, I know. Currently, it's uh, I think, I think I need a new doorbell. I'm, I've got my like my ring is just it just. It struggles in the winters, I find. Mm. So, like, some to the point where sometimes I think I mentioned this before, um, but last year when I went on vacation um, in December 2022, luckily my like my our neighbors were gracious enough to just pick up our packages for us and yep. stuff like that. If if Amazon came or somebody came and dropped off a package, and there's one where uh, our neighbor had come and picked it up. But yep. Ring didn't capture any of that. So all I saw was I saw one frame where the package was there and then the next frame next, where it would disappear. Uh, yeah. And there was like a there was like a minute and a half gap in the middle. And I was yep. like, what happened? Right. So and luckily I have a uh I have a uh, camera above my garage. So I saw I saw my neighbor walk up and grab it and whatever. And I was like, okay, it's just her, it's great. That's perfectly fine. But you know, it's uh, it was a little unsettling when you're in the other side of the world and can't do yeah. anything about it. So, um, but it's just it's one of those things, right? So, and then I've been playing with scripted, um, and, and, and ask, using yeah. that and stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. Um, but it's just it's and and then just a whole like I was just like you forget it. I'm not paying for Ring. Yep. Um, because well, why am I going to pay the membership fee when it doesn't do what it's supposed to do it mm. to start with, right? So. So I'm going to change doorbells, stuff like that. But it's like, ugh, 
just because that's right. Like we've just done like New Year, right? So I'm looking at you know, evaluating all our subscriptions, you know, and Ring is like as like I'm paying what is it, like fifty dollars a year or something for just you know yeah thirty days or of cloud recording or whatever it gets me. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's fifty dollars per device, right? I'm like I've only got the one doorbell, but you know, I think yeah. the price of um, you know things like the Reolink um, doorbell, like would pay for itself in four years, right? Just on ring subscription fees. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, right? And, and, and I think that's the product. one I'm. That's the one I'm leaning towards as well. And I know I've seen quite a few videos on like comparing doorbells and stuff like that. And uh, and even uh, I actually asked the creators in the last call. I'm like, all right, guys, I think I'm I'm done with my uh, ring. Yeah. What's everyone using? And pretty much, I think pretty much every single person was like, yeah, we're using a real link. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. Done. Yeah. What would you do? Something like power over Ethernet and get it wired in that way? No, I'm just going to do the Wi-Fi one. I don't, you know, I just, I don't want to care to run PoE. And especially just because the way my, the, the way that area of the house is structured, yep. it's like, it goes into literally just a wooden frame where there's no box, there's no anything. Yeah, there's no, gotcha. like, it's not actually like a solid place to have wiring there yep so i'd rather it just be on on wi-fi and just feed it my doorbell transformer bells uh wires yep. sorry and then yep. and then go from there but, so might uh i might do that and it's got the 2k has 2.4 and 5 gigahertz wi-fi so i'm probably just going to use that um except they don't have any in stock so that's always fun oh i just love that would you use that so you've got the Wi-Fi, I'm guessing, is it going to be powered or battery operated? Uh, powered, ideally. Nice. So then would you use it via scripted to then have it as a external camera as well, like on like constantly streaming? Uh, I think Home Assistant, I haven't played with the Home Assistant integration or even looked into it. I think mm -hmm. it natively might do that because uh, I think there's the ability for it to do RTSP if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think like scripted handles like converting um, streams or whatever. If I, if I wanted to do it on like uh, HomeKit secure video or anything like that, I might. Um, but yeah. I don't know if I care to do that at this point. I don't really use HomeKit a ton, so might be more effort than it's worth. Honestly, at, at the end of the day, if I can get, if I can get, hey, somebody's at your door, ding dong, and like yep. be able to actually not pay a monthly fee to 100%. see my video then i'm good with that yeah um, down those subscriptions yeah yeah exactly so um that's it i think that's our episode that's it um yeah happy new year everyone and uh we'll see you guys in the next one happy new year cheers cheers if you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.